Inside the Groove is a podcast which dissects the music of Madonna, telling the story of how the songs were written, recorded and performed, giving an insight as to why Madonna has had a 40-year music career. Still influencing artists of today, Madonna's music has soundtracked the 80s, 90s, noughties and beyond. Find out why as we go Inside the Groove. Finally Enough Love 50 Number Ones is Madonna's remix compilation album released on 20th of August 2022 featuring songs which made it to the top of the US Billboard Dance Club Songs chart. Also released in June was a 16-track version featuring choice cuts from her career. Including many versions not previously commercially available, each track has been curated by Madonna, remastered by US producer Mike Dean and offered a clarity and punch not heard before. In actual fact, one of Madonna's 50 number ones is missing from the compilation, causing a commotion, which received its own limited edition 12-inch release earlier in the year as part of Record Store Day, while the You Can Dance remix LP, which also featured on the US Billboard Dance Club Songs chart, is reflected by the inclusion of physical attraction, meaning there are 50 tracks in total. Madonna has had more number ones on this chart than any other artist, and not only does this compilation reflect her own high-quality back catalogue, but it also showcases the evolution of the remix, dating back to the mid-80s remix of her first single Everybody, right through to the Honey Dijon remix of her latest work. With contributions by Offa Nissam, William Orbit, Stuart Price, Shep Pettibone, Jellybean, Victor Calderoni and Felix the Housecut to name a few, the tracks range from simple edits of familiar versions of the songs through to complete reworkings such as Tracy Young's underground edit of the ballad Nothing Fails and the above and beyond mix of What It Feels Like For a Girl which accompanied the Guy Ritchie directed version of the song. This release has so far reached number one in Australia, Belgium, the Netherlands, Portugal, as well as reaching number three in the UK and also the US. The two major versions feature starkly different artwork with the 16-track version designed by Australian fan Brendan Shea, with typography inspired by Madonna's 1980s contemporary Jean-Michel Basquet and an up-to-date shoot, whilst the 50-track version offers very colourful artwork designed by Also Diaz and also uses a 1983 shot of Madonna along with the cover artwork from many of her featured songs. As well as sharing words from some of the remixes, I'll be speaking with fashion photographer Jonathan Daniel Price and art director Peter Falloon who will be talking us through the artwork which comes in a number of different formats. And I'll also be speaking to New Zealand fan Bradley Pratt who has shared his own ideas of how re-releases of Madonna's back catalogue could look. We'll also discuss the rumour that Madonna is due to tour in 2023 to promote her back catalogue, her first ever greatest hits tour, and ponder what we can expect. So, sit back, relax, put a record on, as we dance inside the group. Welcome to Inside the Groove, and apologies if you were expecting this used to be my playground. That was the plan next episode, and it's still happening, but I've jumped an episode because, well, this became ready and became relevant. And finally, Enough Love is at the top of the charts all around the world. Let's talk about that wonderful re-release. And for me, it's all about the music, and I've been marvelling at the clarity and punch of the remaster. No mean feat when you consider that these recordings range from almost 40 years with a variety of producers and remixes involved. But everything sounds so incredibly fresh. But there's been some impressive promotion around the release with Madonna taking part in events in New York and also appearing on Jimmy Fallon's show. She also published her own Vogue magazine style Q&A, answering questions submitted from fans in which we learned, well, not a heap of new things, but a few interesting bites of information, including a tease that rumours of an upcoming tour may be true. 
Madonna also took part in her own Inside the Groove Style podcast, featuring on the Song Exposure show along with Stuart Price to discuss the creation of Hung Up. Plus, there have been interviews with some of the remixes involved in the project. Billboard spoke with Above and Beyond, Tracy Young, William Orbit and Shepard Pone, who all explained how they were first introduced to the concept of remixing Madonna and what it did for their careers. Check it out, because we discovered that Madonna gave Tracy Young the gig simply because she said how much she enjoyed Nothing Fails and offered her the opportunity. Whereas William Orbit actually got a call from Lenny Kravitz thanking him for pumping up his own backing vocals in his remix of Justify My Love. I think, however, that Shep Pettibones is the most interesting. He talks about how he first remixed uh, True Blue, although mistakenly he says it was inspired by The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson, although, of course, Shep's remix of True Blue came out a whole year before that song. If anything, Michael Jackson was inspired by him. Shep also sums up Madonna and her influence perfectly when he says, she deserves her Queen Diva status. Everything she's done dance-wise has always been a big, big hit. I'm particularly happy that I got to do what I did at the pinnacle of her career. So now I'm joined by my friends, fashion photographer Jonathan Daniel Price and art director Peter Floon. It's been ages. How are you both? Still gay. <laughs> Still Madonna fans? Huge. If anything, it's um, it's reignited a fire. Oh, really? So yeah. Enough love. You've been listening to it lots, have you? Uh, terribly on repeat, yeah, because a lot, a lot of the remixes are not things that I would have sought out or had access to. So, yeah, it's... It's been quite exciting, I, but I love a greatest hit, so yeah. It's well, well, we'll talk about your favourite remixes in, in a minute. Jonathan, have you been listening to the album at all? Yes, I feel exactly the same, Peter, and I too have had it on repeat, and I was thinking how it must have really also impacted the streaming of all the other albums she has, because I've gone back and re-listened to the originals and gone into other remixes, so, so it's been a cavalcade of Madonna over the past couple of weeks. I've well, been... I mean, I've been obsessed with understanding the point in time. So I'll catch myself thinking, I'm not really enjoying this. And then I'll force myself to sort of think about what, what was happening in 1994. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh no. Yeah. This has been reworked from a Madonna track into what was in the clubs and going back and listening to like other things from that era. And then just realizing that it isn't necessarily about Madonna. It's about what the DJ did to her music and then getting all excited again for like seeing where she was dragged in a different direction or things didn't quite make sense at the time, but then you knew what she was moving on to next. So it's, it's been like, for me, it's been like a bit of a time capsule and like, heading back through the years but understanding the context well it's interesting because some of the remixes of her songs have become the definitive versions as well because they tend to be the ones that she's performed live um and some of those have versions that are on this lp um and some are not um so for her it must be brilliant to listen to i mean she does listen to all remixes and she authorizes them but maybe some of them she had to listen to again since the very first listen so i think it's been as much of a journey for her as it has been for us um it's yeah i i've loved it i'm i've become really strangely fascinated with the video version of open your heart i mean it's not really any different to the main version except for that intro but i just love it it's really reignited my love for that song there's something um, spatial about the yes, intro it's, it, 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 it sounds pulls so good. You, it pulls you straight back into that moment of being stood on that hill and looking at the peak show I, it, it's and you until now i haven't heard it other than context of the video and it it just Mm -hmm. elicits a different feeling i know exactly what you mean well listen i'm going to ask you about the remixes and your favorite versions um shortly but i want to find out about the artwork uh because we've got two different versions of the album we've got the 16 track version and then we've got the 50 track box set so i'm going to start with the 16 track version with that beautiful black and white cover um and the the sort of typeface that i think is very inspired by um jean michel basket um and it looks like a quite a modern version a recent picture of madonna on the cover so i'm going to start with you jonathan and ask you um what you know about that photo and and, and indeed the artwork itself 
Mm. Well, I think it will come as no surprise to you that this is my favorite of the two album artworks. It is the contemporary image rather than a, a flashback to an earlier Madonna. And I love that. It is a really beautiful image to me. And it was taken by a young Portuguese photographer called Ricardo Gomez. Ricardo met Madonna a few years ago while on assignment in Lisbon, shooting behind the scenes for The World of Madame X, which you'll remember is the film about the concert tour. And true to Madonna style, she noticed young talent and developed a close friendship with him. He now spends most of his time following her and her family and is their official documenter, I guess. You know, if you look on Instagram, nearly every single photograph is taken by him. And in fact, anything you see of her today, including magazines, video content, is through his lens. You know, he's created some of the video output, like the Madonna Pride videography that she released, and also made his directorial debut with the Madame X documentary about the tour that came out most recently. There was an interesting WWD article that I read where he shared some of his thoughts about his ongoing work with Madonna. And they asked him how his work with her is separate from a paparazzi image, which is a question as a photographer I would absolutely detest. But I think what they're getting at is that he is with her at all turns, really taking a true document of her life. And so I will quote him as it's quite interesting to hear. I try to be creative and fun because that's how she likes to work, to be in flow. Of course, when you're outside, she understands that there are paparazzi and people who might recognize her and take her picture. I don't think she's against that. Actually, I believe that she has survived and gone through her life really dealing with it well. A lot of celebrities get damaged by that. I don't think she is at all because she's confident and has a powerful mind. And he also mentioned in that article how she has so much creative control, which of course we hear anecdotally, but you know, even to this day, he's saying it, where she has a hand in absolutely every element from the styling, hair, makeup, staging, lighting for every photo shoot. And this was also the case for the cover that he shot for Rolling Stone, which was the Musician on Musician edition with Maluma, which came out at the end of 2021. I had heard beforehand that she, in fact, uh, rejected their suggestion of photographer and requested him to be the cover image photographer. And that the concept and the venue and the art direction was all really from the brain of M herself. So looking actually where the image of the album artwork is taken from, as far as I can see, although this isn't confirmed, I think it was from an outtake that Ricardo shot on the video music shoot for Frozen. Uh, he posted an image of her a few months ago from that period, and it, it looks very, very similar. Of course, it's been retouched and edited, which Peter will discuss, but, um, but that was taken around March 2022. And, and it's actually great to look back through Ricardo's Instagram uh, just to see how his work with her has developed over the past couple of years. It's a fantastic picture, and forgetting that this is a compilation, I think that cover could be a great Madonna album cover if it was a studio album as well. Completely. Um, I really like the simplistic but yet clever, if that makes sense, typography. Um, Peter, I know you're really keen on this cover as well. Yeah, I think we <laughs> might all be in agreement there. It definitely falls into two camps. Um, I think the actual album cover does its work as like a greatest hits. I think it fits into the Immaculate Collection celebration. It's not a Madonna that's ever existed. It's not real. So I'm going to be more controversial. I think I know which image it is, and I think it's had quite a little bit of work done to it, some um, reflection. And I'm going to bring up the word we're not supposed to, the yassification of Madonna. So... <laughs> Just from a graphic design point of view, um, when you output something on Instagram, um, it's quite low res, even if you don't want it to be. So the bitmap, the texture that it's been given, that application is a brilliant way of sizing up quite a small photo. So I think some of it is 
a genius has been created out of um, a set of circumstances. So they've managed to take what would be quite a small image and turn it into an album cover just through the bitmap effect. But it brings back to me like quite a lot of Madonna references, whether because he's a he's a very young guy, so I don't know if he'll know like the history that he's touching on, but it to me I'm seeing like the eyes from the Who's That Girl tour, I'm seeing the eyes from the start of um Express Yourself video. So to me it fits purely into that canon of amazing album covers that just speak Madonna. You know whose eyebrows they are. You know whose eyes they are. It's just so perfect an image. And the symmetry is beautiful as well. So I'll overlook like the retouching that might have looked laborious in a photograph, but because you've given that bitmap effect that we've seen on Celebration and American Life, it turns it into something quite iconic. And I think his typography that you brought up that's the thing that makes it even edgier and unexpected it isn't my aesthetic and it isn't my taste but when it's done like this i really love it it feels childlike and joyful but also really edgy so um the designer who's responsible for it brendan shea he's he, that's what Madonna spotted him for. So she saw like his typographic skills on Instagram and liked one of his posts and then retweeted it. Um, he did the lyric video for Frozen. Um, he did the typography on Crave. So he's he's got a history with her, and it's it's really iconic. I I wouldn't be able to make my hand do it because it's not neat and it's not tidy, and that's where my brain goes. So I love the fact that it feels really fresh and different and the other thing that i think he's achieved that no other graphic designer is he's actually even got his own signature on the label at the bottom i'm quite impressed that he managed to pull that off it's <laughs> it wouldn't normally happen i don't think but yeah all in all i think it's an amazing image and that his little touches of graphic design and the way that he's handled the bitmap of the image it's made it iconic it's not just a photo so Madonna apparently, and not surprisingly, loves this version um, and, and wanted this to be the cover for the releases. So I'm heard. So I've heard. Um, however, the 50 track version has got a very different aesthetic in, in artwork, um, uh, which was the preference of the record company who wanted something that reflected Madonna's history um, and showed uh the, the multitude of, of tracks that were recorded and used in the album artwork. And that's given us what I suppose we can call the, the colour 50-track version. Um, that reuses a photo from the original cover for Madonna's very first album back in 1983. And back a year ago, I think it was, Jonathan, we talked about that iconic short blonde hair and uh, Rayburn glasses shot. Um, what can you tell us about that picture again? Mm. So it's photographer Gary Heary, and I really do think it's worth going back and listening to that episode if people wanted to hear more, because we went into quite a lot of detail. And in fact, somewhat narcissistically, I have gone back and listened to our <laughs> episodes again to hear. And uh, I mentioned at that time about the contact sheets that are readily available on Google from the shoot. And it's really a joy to see a young Madonna in her full energetic glory. There's both black and white and color prints made from this time. What really strikes me about that shoot is the quality of the black and white. You know, the silver content in black and white photography printing has decreased over the decades. And when you look back at old photographs, you really see the richness in tone in the monochrome. Uh, you know, if you're not a photographer, you don't know about imagery. That's why a photo from the 1950s looks so sort of sumptuously contrasty that one you take today on black and white film might not naturally have unless it's had some additional work done to it. And so those black and white photos from that shoot with Gary really stand out to me. I said that also in the episode before. Uh, obviously, the image that's used for this edition of the, of the Greatest Hits is one of the colour prints, which is not my favourite, but I can understand how the record label would perceive that this is maybe the Madonna that the general public remembers most strongly. 
Um, I don't have a huge amount to say about this because, of course, a lot of the creative direction that's gone into this is about cutting up the image and, and sort of playing around with how it's put together. But um, my only thing to say on a personal level would be that um, because I love the original shoot so much, I wish they'd maybe included some more images from that because we've got so many great outtakes. And then in the box set, they've really taken that one image and just superimposed it onto multiple colored backdrops. And, um, and I think that's a missed opportunity. So Peter, let's talk about the, the art direction of this then. Um, listen, elephant in the room and i know all three of us really really don't like this artwork um but i certainly know that i don't i think it's um personally I think it's quite amateur um i get the idea to take an iconic picture of madonna from her past and reflect in her sunglasses the the the, the single covers and stuff like that and to refer to all these covers I personally just don't think it's very well done. I'll take one for the team. Everyone can <laughs> jump on the attack. Um, I think what it is that irks all three of us, and probably more people, is it doesn't live up to the prestige of the package. So it's such it's such an achievement. It's 40 years of dance music. That is phenomenal. So I love the flashback to the first version of madonna that everybody madonna but it's so crowded and so disparate so i i'm going to be really mean now it feels like one of those 1990s adverts buy six cds get one free <laughs> you'd get the advert on after the word at like two in the morning on channel four and it was like an american voiceover it's almost like it's the off-label version of a Madonna Greatest Hits. It's somebody trying to replicate what Madonna would do. So I think that is what's irking us. And then the very, I'm going to call it A-level idea of like the reflection in the glasses. It's something that uh, uh, somebody in an art exam would do. It's it, I can see that there's an idea there, but it's executed poorly and it's probably not the best idea. I think if it had been given more of a cover treatment so minimizing her name minimizing the the title of the album like they're the two most impactful things other than her image and they're just squeezed down to just look like a an extra bit of text so you've got lots of things fighting one another nothing's winning so the montage of images of the singles She's not got a great history of great single artwork, so trying to celebrate it on the front cover, I think it could have been more successful if they'd gone with the idea but tried to pair it with the art direction of the other one. So on the, ins on the inside of the LP version of the Eyes one, there's a, a black and white texture that they've used which just sort of cleans up the, the typography. I think if they'd done the black background and blacked out the images as well so it all was more clean it could have ended up looking really good but it's it's so many items fighting against one another and then i'm going to be a real stickler for detail it's obviously not been lovingly done because they're still causing a commotion written on the front uh -huh. and it's just little, it on there. yeah it's just little things like that that irk me it means that it's not it's not perfect <laughs> from Madonna. That's sort of what I demand. But I, it, the thing that I do admire and totally respect, she has gone with some very young designers. And so the bit of me that is talking like this, I know it's coming from an incredibly bitter place because I'm uh, quite a bit older than the guys who've done this. So it's, it is a great image, as Jonathan says. It's just... The idea and the balance and the aesthetic of it, it's not been pulled off, but I understand why they've wanted to make it look like a package. And you do get the feeling that it's in depth, that there's wealth to it, but it just, it's not, it's not an enjoyable thing to look at and it doesn't read well. So a lot of the typography is really hard to read and like on the back cover, the worst thing you can do is 
list album tracks in a block of type. So it's really hard to read along the line and see which track is where. It, it, they've tried to highlight it with a red to pull it out, but it's just, it's fighting. It's, it's not pleasant to read. And the same on the inside. If you're reading the left-hand page, it's a joy to read. If you're reading the right-hand page, because they've aligned it to the right, you're trying to read the detail of what amazing achievement a DJ and Madonna cooked up somewhere along the line and it's it's next to impossible to read it's it's a it's a great package it's just been badly handled and i i want it to be better and the same as you guys i want it to like feel as if it has some correlation to the one that we all love and it sadly falls somewhere in the middle which isn't great and it's not bad as rupaul has said every day someone turns 18 and what's fantastic about Madonna is a young person can find her and then find this back catalogue and you know have such a rich resource of great work to look back on and so myself at age 12 when GHV2 came out in 2001 I saw the adverts that were in magazines and on billboards with all of the small imagery we have spoken about this in a previous episode and I looked at a photo of her from Frozen with long black hair and a photo of her with access all areas written on her back and thought, this is the same person? I can't believe this. And so jumped in to look at all the different visuals she had going forward. And for me, thinking of a young person again today, finding this woman called Madonna with incredible back catalog of work who has influenced almost every single pop artist who is currently in existence. It would have been great to see some of those played out in the artwork of the packaging. So let's talk about the music because I think that's undoubtedly brilliant. Um, uh, when it comes to remixes, I'm talking for myself. I, I do like a remix, um, and there are some Madonna remixes I really like. Personally, when I listen to music, and what I get from music is is the Madonna. So whatever her and her collaborator have created, which is their ultimate version of the song, that's what I really, really love. That doesn't mean I don't like listening to other stuff. And there are many instances where uh, with Madonna where I somehow perhaps prefer the remix i definitely prefer the remix of into the groove that shep did for you can dance i really like the express yourself remix um and then listening to some of the later ones on the album i love the felix the house cat um version of american life because he's changed it so differently and yet it really works um but some of them i just don't like um because what i like about a song like music is that backing track that production the drums the bass the the way it all fits and so that deep dish edit of it is losing all that um that's not to say i haven't played this to death driving around in my car um i'm off to birmingham this weekend for work and i just know i'm going to be listening to the entire 50 track version on the way up have you got any favorite ones peter i think i'm the same as you i'm training my brain to enjoy different aspects of it so there are some that i'm like oh i, I don't really enjoy it but i'll go back and i'll try and give it the context so like the one that um sticks out to me the most is like what it feels like for a girl because it's such a soft beautiful ballad that really spoke to me at the time and like the the story in it and the quote at the beginning it's such a perfect moment in madonna history for like who she was and what she stood for so for when that above and beyond version was released it kind of created a new audience for the music and it's me remembering that that's what was in the clubs at the time and that's what people wanted to hear and so i'm already a madonna fan i don't need to be brought on board but for people in the clubs who heard above and beyond with what it feels like for a girl it's such a driving like atmospheric amazing track I almost have to divorce myself from what the base material is just to enjoy that moment that they created. And it's so powerful. And it's not one that I've listened to for a long, long time because I just dispelled it and thought, no, I don't like this. I prefer the original. But hearing it now, it's like, oh, my God, it is. it makes me feel excited, but it's literally only tiny snippets of her her original song and there's artistry in that it's really clever to be able to break something down to its component parts and put it together in a completely different way so 
she had like a old um, pickup truck from 1950s America and they turned it into the muscle car that was then in the video. And it's just, it has that correlation. And I love the way that the husband of the time used it in the video. So that to me, that's a, that was a proper remix, but it's taken me a little bit of time to love it, but I do thoroughly love it now. What else do you really like? I, can't help but singing um, over the top of Keep It Together, oi, 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 in my um, Cockney accent. It's the Blonde Ambition version, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but I love, I love that it does that to me. I love that a song that I could not really get hold of at the time is now so embedded in my head that it gets the callback of her, of, of her ad-libs from a concert from like 30 years ago. And <laughs> being objective that I wasn't back when I was 11, 12, Shep produced that song after the event, but it, he put on layers of what was cool at that time. So mm. although house music was happening and was supposed to be the B-side with Vogue, there was also the undercurrent of bands like um, Soul to Soul. Mm-hmm. And you can hear the back to life. And yeah. it, it's very current for what was happening in 1990. And it, it's giving you a context for why that song was so heavily remixed for a single release because even in that little two-year period that all the like prayer singles came out music had moved on so much mm-hmm. and he managed to take a great album track but it was very soul orientated and uh, like harked back to a, a 70s sound mm-hmm. he put it smack bang in the 90s and it was like wow i can now hear that in context for what it was and the workmanship that went into it Jonathan, do you have a favourite remix? Mm, I do have a couple. And I think what Peter was saying about this going hand in hand with the period in which it lives is really standing true for me because what I felt is the idea of technology and music over the years changing dramatically and what it means to be a fan. And back in the day, the meaning of it being a fanatic. Actually, if you wanted one of these remixes, and it was not readily available, you would have to go digging, going through different record shops to find this version. And so for me, this was the Ray of Light remix, which is on this album, which I bought the 12-inch vinyl version of because it, you couldn't find it anywhere else. And so I played that 12-inch to death because it also wasn't on streaming even until maybe when this album was released, I'm not sure. Um, so I love that. It reminds me of my interpretation of what a 90s club would be like. And uh, it sort of feels a bit like The Prodigy to me, which, of course, has some mm-hmm. relationship to Madonna as well. So I love that. And then I have two newer memories, which I have to drop in here. One is the I Don't Search, I Find remix, which mm-hmm. I heard in Los Angeles in the spring of this year which I think I told the story and the live version of our podcast where I saw Madonna in the flesh for the first time. No, no I don't and think you've mentioned that at all. No. <laughs> well, just in case anyone doesn't know, I saw <laughs> Madonna in LA and, and of course it was Honey Dijon playing it herself. So her own remix being played by herself, which was incredible. And finally, this segues perfectly into what I just mentioned, the Don't Cry For Me Argentina remix, which was played <laughs> at our post-live podcast recording on the dance floor. And it's just so fervently fun. You know, it's like mid-90s, crazy, you know, over the top. and But it's linked to being with you guys. It's like catnip to certain fans. They go absolutely mental when they hear it. And for me, I don't know why I don't like it. I don't know that I should like it. It's an upbeat version of a, of a classic song, but there's something about it that, that irks me. Um, Peter, I've do you never, like that version? I've never, there's not a single song that Andrew Lloyd Webber has ever written that I like. <laughs> so it's that thing. It's the bass material is not a Madonna song. Therefore, I have zero interest in it. It, but I can understand why people love it. <laughs> well, you know, I'd never actually made it all the way through the song prior to to being with you guys at the RVT. And standing on the dance floor, I remember when it came on and thinking, oh, this. And but looking at the reaction of the crowd and people really having so much fun. And also it was, it was quite 
close in my mind to when things were just starting to open up again and being in the world. So that's the memory that I'll forever link with that song. Sort of fun. I think she managed to like bridge a gap, didn't she? So we'd, we'd gone into ballad territory with something to remember. Um, Bedtime Stories was shy of dance music. By the time we got to Avita, she really needed to like feed the children, and mm-hmm. that's what she did. It, it at least lifted or might have engaged some of the dance music fans, but yeah, the the base material is not my favourite. <laughs> and it's you know so much of the enjoyment of versions is down to other memories as well. So I don't particularly like that Victor Calderoni remix of Frozen, or at least I much prefer the Stereo MCs mix mix that Madonna took on tour with the Drown Well. But whenever I listen to it, I'm 28 years old. I'm in a really dodgy gay bar um, on Kings Road, not Kings Road, King Street in Hammersmith um, and sniffing a bottle of poppers because we've all done it. <laughs> Maybe not there. Uh, and, and it just takes me back. So I, I have an enjoyment of it for that. Um, uh, and, and yeah, the, I think my problem with remixes and it's, it's very specific. I remember working with somebody, um, I won't mention his name because he's done a lot of stuff, but he did a lot of remixes specifically in the 90s. And it was back in the time I used to get three CDs and they would each have five remixes on. And so they would have so many different versions. And he told me uh, if he was asked to do a remix, he would take a bit of music he had in his catalogue put it together and take a line of vocal and spin it backwards and slow it down and speed it up. And that would be it. And so I often listen to some of these remixes thinking, where is the Madonna in it? Have they done that? And I think there's a couple of those versions where I feel that, but on the whole, it is the art of the remix uh, and Madonna has championed dance music since her, her earliest release. So uh, it, it's fantastic to listen to any versions on the album that you don't particularly like, or you don't connect with. Um, it's it's only because they were dance songs to begin with. So the hung up era, there's none of them there that really grabbed me because the it's it's her one pure dance album, mm-hmm. and I <laughs> be controversial. I think the originals are as close to perfect. Mm-hmm. So I struggle with the remix of a dance music remix of a dance music track. So I know that Stuart Price and Madonna poured their heart into it and it is dance music that works. Mm-hmm. I know that like he is his other effigy. So he is um, thin white Duke and Les Rhythms Digitals. So obviously he can swing the track those ways as well. But yeah, I, I, I found myself skipping them because I don't want to not hear the original. Any skips for you, Jonathan? Hmm. <laughs> I think there is a period of 90s remix that doesn't connect with me so much, actually. It's very tinny mm-hmm. and strips out a lot of the melodic value of songs, not just the Madonna. And uh, I actually just had a very quick listen to see if I'm accurate in this because I can't really remember. But I think it's Bedtime Story that I've skipped. I think the connection is because it's the version she did at the Brit Awards and it's, yeah, of course. I know yeah. we use it, the word a lot, but it's iconic. That mm-hmm. blonde hair in the wind with that souped up. And I think it was the first time we'd heard it because I don't think it had actually been released as a single. No, at that point. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, to me, that's what it conjures up. I get really excited about the fact Madonna was going to be at the Brits. So it's, I don't know. I might be embellishing what other people are feeling there, but that's that's my reason for loving it. But on the whole, would you agree that this is a really welcome release? And and has it excited you for what may be to come? Uh, not just a re-release, but a possible greatest hits tour, which has been rumoured. And in Madonna's Fifty Questions video that was published very recently, when asked if she was about to do it, uh, she didn't deny that option. Uh, I, I take it you'll both be going. Mm. I mean, I'd heard, I've heard the same thing before that video was released. And of course, my first thought was how brilliant that would be to attend. But also having missed out on Madame X tickets, even though I got them and it got cancelled, I feel like I need to really keep my expectations in check in case I get overexcited. But I would love something like that. I mean, and also like, you know, the response publicly seems to be so positive. You know, after somewhat of her being tabloid fodder and general public not understanding where she's at with the photos of her with her legs sticking out onto the bed and all that stuff. You cannot deny 
the strength of the work when you release something like this. And I've loved seeing that reaction. I'm excited because, as we know, Madonna doesn't like to look back. So I think if she is going to re, uh, redo these songs or reimagine them live, I think they're going to be quite changed and developed. Um, and I hope in a positive way. I mean, she's obviously done that with Material Girl and Frozen recently um, to mix results. I'm not sure I would want an entire um, concert that was like that. Uh, but I think she also is clever enough to know what gets the crowd going and what will make them happy. Um, I, I, we all three of us have to go together. If, if this does happen, we have to find choose a gig, and all three of us go together. I, th I think the thing that I can't, I can't, my tiny mind can't comprehend. I keep thinking of it as like a block of time, and I keep mentally shifting it. And I refuse to believe that in twenty sixty eight we will have a Dua Lipa box set of this volume <laughs> and then i do it the wow. i do it the other way where i'm like imagine there was an artist in 1943 that was still relevant in 1983 and my head can't comprehend those bodies of time that this mm -hmm. woman has been there my entire life mm -hmm. i have known everything single bit of musical output she has given us and it's a 40 year bracket like that's phenomenal and no. I, I'm literally keep playing it back in my head that this body of time and for people to still be interested in her, we can stagger off as much as we like, but she's still got the last laugh. Yeah, without a doubt. I think I've seen a lot of fans in the last year or so saying, oh, Madonna's over. She's she's lost it. Um, you know, her time has passed. And I think it's a very foolish person that ever writes Madonna off. Um we may never see her uh, with a number one single again or, you know, recording that follow-up to Confessions or whatever it is that people might want from her. But she will always be relevant and she will always be around. And as we've seen with that Beyonce remix, um, which features Vogue, um, her work is so, let's use that word again, iconic. And she really has set the path for today's modern stars. And I think she's finally realised that and I think she's enjoying it. Yeah, she's not averse to looking back now. And, uh, you know, it was actually a joy to see her in the 50 questions video or however many questions they asked her. Um, because what I really got was a sense of her, uh, I think, well, she said a statement, something like life is an illusion or, or, or existence. None of this illusion. is real. Yeah. None of it's real. Exactly. And she has said that sort of thing in the past, but in my, it's suddenly connected in my brain that all of this stuff that she's posting on Instagram that people criticize, the things that we don't necessarily understand, she's at her place in her life where she is being who she wants to be, the body type she wants to be, wearing what she wants. She's really not caring about what's happening externally. And whether any of us agrees with that or not, what a freedom that is. Good for her for reaching that place. The other thing that I sort of marvel at and we did touch about earlier is like she has surrounded herself with quite a lot of young talent. So maybe it's not for us. <laughs> it's like that I, I might be a fan, but maybe it's not for me. So like Material Girl, the remixed and revisited version, possibly it's not for me, but I can accept that it exists and the, like, the younger creatives that she's worked on this album with the reason that the artwork might not appeal to me is because it's not for me and I need to accept that and that is okay. Well, I think it's very fascinating that with uh, the photography and the design on the album, she is now employing people who are Madonna fans. Um, these are people that have got uh, a DM on their, their, their um, Instagram uh, and, and it actually was from Madonna. Um, so finally, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe our time is yet to come. <laughs> um, talking of uh, lunatics and asylums, I'm next going to see you at the RVT in London on the 3rd of December for our ultimate, the final episode, live. Um, and I haven't quite worked out what we're going to talk about other than Madonna, um, but it's going to be so exciting. I think we've sold two-thirds of the tickets. Um, it's still, um, you know, a few months off, but people who are going to come need to get their tickets soon, otherwise they won't get in. Guys, what are you most looking forward to, um, apart from the chance to see each other uh, about that event? 
Mm, you know what I loved about the last time was uh, the shared joy. I mean, it's so cheesy to say, but the conversations that you have, the number of people who picked up on one tiny comment made in the podcast and wanted to explore that even further. You know, everyone has an opinion on what we've been discussing. And uh, yeah, I loved all the chat. It was great. I'm just looking forward to whatever Johnny California plays because his disco was so good. And there were so many songs he didn't play, which are on versions he didn't play, which uh, I'm, I'm hoping we get. Peter, what about you? Oh, I think we talked about it earlier. I'm just going to try and be in the moment because it was, it was really hard to take it all in. And I think I've got over the stage fright a bit now, so I'm going to try and just be a bit more present. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is real. <laughs> um, guys it's been so lovely to speak to you um and i will see you in december i'm now joined by somebody from the other side of the planet uh this is bradley pratt hello bradley you're you're you're, you're speaking to me all the way from new zealand is that right i am way too far away thank you for having me Thank you. So, Bradley, I wanted you on the show because your work has come to my attention through social media. Um, essentially, you have done your own ideas and, and versions of re-releases or limited editions or, or box sets, whatever you want to call them, of classic Madonna albums. Um, mm -hmm. And you've posted them on social media and, and they're brilliant. They're, they're fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. That's high praise coming from you. Well, I mean, I just, I'm obsessed with the artwork as I am with the music. So to see somebody else that um, has got that kind of fire inside the melt as well um, is brilliant. And I take it you've, you've listened to some of the episodes on the podcast where we've talked about the origins of the artwork. Oh yeah. It's been fantastic listening. It's very good for um, uh, long car trips. <laughs> I've loved it. Big fan. Great. So um, I've seen, I think I've seen most of your work, if not all of your work, but the ones, there's two that really stand out to me just because they're two of my favorite covers anyway. And you've reworked um, Ray of Light and Immaculate Collection. Um, what I love about Ray of Light um, in particular is you've gone back, you haven't just taken the original album cover that we know, you've gone back to the actual original photograph before any touch-ups or color correction has been done on it and then you've reworked it and you've not just done that with the main shoots you've also done different versions for box sets etc do you want to explain a bit to whoever's listening um about what it is you've done what you've created and perhaps go into detail of how you've done that starting with the ray of light one that you've you've created yeah sure uh for ray of light that was my third go around with it and i went a little bit overboard with the photo retouching i think i did the whole shoot or at least the every photo we had available <laughs> that was um <laughs> on forums and whatnot so i wanted to go back to mario testino's original photographs and try and match them to his retouched 90s versions because for someone to be I wanted to see if I could recreate it like someone working mm -hmm. at the top of their game in that era and just mm -hmm. challenge myself to see if I could. And I got fairly close. I think I was happy with the results. Yeah. Because I think when you look at the original, we we don't like to think of the pictures being particularly retouched. It's more the sort of um, recolored and, and, and so on and so forth. If you look at the original shot that's used on the album cover, um, mm. Madonna's skin is a lot paler. Hair is a slightly different color and there's a lot of shine and reflection, which is then missing from the, the finished version. So I guess what you're saying is by seeing how somebody who is at the top does it, you can learn their tricks as well. Yeah, it was interesting seeing that he was shying away from a lot of that late 90s sort of overblown, overexposed, high contrast sort of aesthetic. He kept yeah. the skin texture in there. He painted over some bits and pieces and painted over some of the high gloss on the skin to get rid of some of that shine. But the rest of it was very naturalistic, apart from maybe slight oversaturation in places. But I was very yeah. impressed by it and it was a great learning opportunity for me. And you you retouched every picture. There's there's hundreds of photos. There's all those different looks. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't do it again, but it was I got carried away and it was great fun. I was um very fixated on it. And I thought, so well, just in case, just in case. <laughs> you never know. You never know. So if somebody um was to go onto your social media um on Twitter or Instagram and, and have a look at what you've done, what would they find for Array of Light? Because you haven't just retouched the photos, you've sort of invented uh 
bonus sticks and all the discs and all that kind of stuff. T- tell us exactly what you've done for that release. Uh, I, fe- I pretty much started from scratch. I went back to the original album artwork and tried to track down through forums and fan pages. Okay. What were the fonts? And I tried to color match as close as I could and recreate the logos, the symbols, the design. And I tried to imagine what a ultimate edition of the album could look like. And I wanted to also challenge myself to create an abstract animated painting for a box cover that could be holographic in real life, but animated and applied to social media and, you know, the videos they play on Spotify and things like that. So it's really, sorry. Is, is, is Ray of Light a favorite album of yours? Oh, it's the favorite album. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? And why is that? The music, the, the artwork, the whole thing. Oh, all of it. It was, um, I started getting into in my late teens and I went down, Mm -hmm. I remember going down to the, um, city library and renting out as many copies of their albums as they had. So I was going, okay, I don't know what the CD is, but I like the cover and I don't know what this one is. I don't know what this one is. So I'm just going to load them all into iTunes and see what speaks to me. And Ray of Light was at head and shoulders above everything else for some reason. Like it just really grabbed me. It was exactly what I needed and it's been with me ever since. And this would have been 2006, 2006. Wow. So you're quite late to Madonna then. <laughs> yeah, relatively. I was, well, relatively speaking, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she's been around a long time. What yeah. was the first Madonna song that you heard that really grabbed you? It'll sound ridiculous, but it was the radio remix of American Pie. Right. That does sound ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I was, I'm a 1989 baby. So I was oh. at the perfect age to hear that on the radio and go, who is that? And what is that? music style and i didn't know anything about the song but i knew that i loved it and that was the first thing first piece of music i ever saved up my allowance for well you're so lucky i was talking with jonathan and peter earlier and jonathan said about um the interesting thing about madonna who's had such a long career is that people um will be discovering her everyday young people and there's such a wealth of things to go back and learn and you know the thing with madonna is everything is high quality yes she's had highs and lows but uh to go back to any album and rediscover it must be amazing have you heard everything now Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like absolute died on the wall fan ever since then. It's, um, I had a massive collection at some point that's now, you know, scaled down a little bit to be a bit more realistic and what my house can hold. But I loved studying her as, you know, a teenager and young adult and seeing in her a way to sort of navigate the phases of life and navigating change and recognizing that change will always be a constant because it was something she always embraced and therefore we can all embrace it. Indeed. Um, another one that you've reworked, um, and really interestingly is erotica where you've taken an idea of the album cover and the artwork and also mixed it with the, the silver foil, um, wrapping that came with the sex book. Do you want to talk through that a bit, what you've done there? Sure. It's a somewhat sanitized version of what I think erotica could really be, but I wanted to create something that felt more like if Fabian Barron created it now for the, the modern era where it had to be maybe not as aggressive. I could have gone the other way with it, made it very sexual, but I also wanted to disconnect it from the book somewhat and give it its own moment in the spotlight. So I wanted Mm -hmm. it to have its own identity. And uh, there were versions of this where I created, leaned more into the the whites and the blues, the original, but I really wanted a black box because it feels like such a black album to me for some reason. It's Mm -hmm. very... It's very dark, it's very sad, and it's very intense. And so I needed to, I wanted to take it back to that original typography that Fabian is so well known for and does so, so much better than anybody else mm. and create something glossy and shadowy and just intriguing and almost spooky. And I, ho- I hope I got close to that. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's really good. And your Immaculate Collection is the other one that I mentioned, which I just think is, is brilliant as well. Um, and that, of course, uses one of my favourite Madonna photo shoots, the Herb Ritz one from 1989, which was then used also on the Blonde Ambition um, program guide, tour program guide, and of course, in Immaculate Collection. And you've done such brilliant work with that. Now, that is one of the albums that revolves all around graphic design. So that must have been quite interesting to do and incorporate some photos into that. That was really fun. And I had, at that point, I had no expectations. This was created at the end of 2019. And I was, 
looking for a personal project to challenge me in my free time. And I had a friend who was thinking about doing something in music and he was a music collector and he invited me over to his house to talk some logistics. And one of the things he had was Kylie Minogue's Let's Get To It collector's edition. It's, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. I looked at this and I thought, why, why can't, why doesn't Madonna have something like this? What, what's the holdout? What's, what's stopping her? And I went home and I looked on her Spotify and I looked at um, her online digital presence. And this was about a, I, don't know, I think a year before she announced a reissues campaign or even before any of the singles started reappearing on social media and streaming. So mm-hmm. that was severely lacking. And the Immaculate Collection in particular, there's, we've had the, the extended remixes in places of the Q sound mm. mixes and the, the artwork was like a, a underexposed or scan with some mm. dirt and smudges on it. And I thought, isn't this supposed to be the best selling greatest hits album by mm-hmm. any individual in history? It, it just, yeah, I was particularly bothered by that. So I started from scratch again and thought, well, let's see if I can, let's see if I can do a better job. Let's see if I can create something that's so ostentatiously over the top as a box said, that would be really unpractical to have in the real world with, (laughs) you know, 17, 18 individual seven inch singles in it and (laughs) kind of go, what if we could aim as big as possible? And what if we could put into it everything that anybody, any fan of this album would want? And all of that started with recreating the shield and even taking my Pantone swatches to the, the different vinyl and CD editions that I had. I think I matched it to the Japanese edition with the, um, mm-hmm. the gatefold replica. It's interesting you call it a shield because that's how I've always always seen it. But recently it was discovered that it's actually that shape is designed on the corset that she wore on the Blind Ambition tour. Did you, were you aware of that? I wasn't. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't it just? I, I remember <laughs> quite recently uh, an interview has come to light with the original designer and she she was saying that. She based it on, I mean, obviously it does represent a shield as well, the outline of the John Paul Gaultier um, uh, shield, uh, of course it, that Madonna wears on, for Express Yourself. So so there you go. I'm, it's fantastic oh, to teach you I can something. never unsee that. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> One of the albums, I mean, I can't wait for these re-releases to happen. And in the Madonna world, they're coming soon, which could mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones I'm really looking forward to seeing reworked is Like a Prayer, because um, it's my favourite Madonna album. But also, I, whenever I've seen a 12-inch version of the the vinyl, it always looks a bit washed out, as if it's been sat in a window in the sun for some time. <laughs> um and it's got all that very rich, brilliant um, Herb Brits photography. What would you do if you were given the opportunity to, you know, so you got a call now from Madonna's record company saying, right, we need you to rework the uh, Like a Prayer cover. Is there anything specific you'd like to get your head around on that one? Oh, well, my first questions would be like, how much time do you have and what's your budget? But <laughs> I'd um, definitely want to take it back to, I think the faded out issue came about from, I think, reissues from Rhino in, I want to say, 2012, 2016, mm-hmm. when they redid all of them at once. And that one came out really washed out. But I think it was them trying to wrap their heads around the fact that the logo is very, it's kind of hard to read the logo on the full color mm-hmm. album cover. And so their solution was to wash out that photograph and make it a bit more bit more contrast between the two, which I don't necessarily agree with. So I think my solution would be to bring in maybe a foil on the gold or something mm-hmm. just to elevate it a little bit more from it. But depending on what they wanted to do, I mean, you could do the logo on its own. You could do the photograph on its own with the logo as a sticker. You could find a way to separate them or create something new from it. There's, yeah, you could start in a million different places, but we wouldn't want to mess with it too much because it's such a iconic piece of music history. If there was one, if you were given that opportunity to work on them, and you never know, who knows, because Madonna, of course, has worked with fans on Funnily Enough Love, um, and you, you were told, right, you can work on just one album and uh, recreate it in its highest quality, which would it be? And we can't mention the ones that you've already mentioned. Which one do you think really needs your attention? Ooh, which one really needs my attention? I'd love to do Confessions, but... Mm-hmm. I think the one that would really need my attention would be bedtime stories because if I had the opportunity to start more or less from scratch with that, there's mm-hmm. many other directions that one could have gone in. And the, 
the font is on that album is ridiculous. It's so hard to read. <laughs> it's really hard to read. And of course, there's also the confusion about which way around the photo should be as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's meant to be upside down. Surely, it's, it surely is meant to be upside down. I'm, 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 I'm positive of that. Um, what are you <laughs> hoping for most when we get these reissues, if ever we do? I'm sure we will. What would you like to see more than anything? Is it a track, or is it a you know piece of artwork that's not been seen? Um, I'm not hoping for anything specifically, but. I've had enough feedback from the work that I've done where everybody is desperate for something like this, like in this sort of ballpark where there's care and attention paid to all the little details. So I hope we don't get something where everyone just feels let down, especially after such a long wait. And I hope that what they do come out with blows all of my work out of the water, like where they release it and I go, well, there's no need for me to have any of this online anymore because they have exceeded everybody's expectations and the results could not be better. So is there an artist who um, has done some reissues that you've been really impressed by, which you would like to see Madonna's team take on board? Definitely Prince. Prince was a yeah. Prince's team was a big inspiration for these when I was looking at just places to start researching and going, what does an ultimate box set look like in this day and age? And he kept coming up. So, and I'm not a huge fan of all of his work. So I went and had a look and was pleasantly shocked by just the consistency of the design of so much of the reissues of um, his back catalog. So I think I'd start there and there's things that I found for the Beatles and um, Paul McCartney and, Mm-hmm. David Bowie in particular as well. Like I was, um, I never left super deluxe edition.com for, I think a week. <laughs> I was just <laughs> always on there and just trying to magpie as much as I could and think, okay, I like this. I don't like that. And one of my other inspirations was a Michael Jackson box set that he did a long time ago. That was, I forget which anniversary it was. It was some anniversary of his career. And it had all of his uh, video singles as individual little seven inch replicas. And it was like, um, a DVD on one side and a CD with the remixes on the other. Mm-hmm. Hard to explain, but I was very impressed by that. And impractical as it is, I thought that would be so cool for Madonna. So uh, have you been listening to and playing with uh, Finally Enough Love at all? Yes, love it. I think the artwork as well. I think Brendan and Aldo did a great job. Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier, and um, this may surprise you, may not. The, the both guys absolutely love Brendan's artwork. Um, the jury's out on the the, the full color one. Um, <laughs> it's 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 interesting. <laughs> There's a lot going on visually, <laughs> but ultimately the music is so good. What's your favorite Madonna remix that's on that? Probably. Ooh, I really love Nothing Really Matters. Yeah. Yeah, I think that absolutely captured it. And I think with the artwork as well, like Brendan and Aldo did amazing work for a famously specific client who (laughs) knows exactly what she wants and would have given them very exacting orders on, I like this, I don't like that. So with whatever restrictions they had in creating the artwork, like hats off to them. They've done a wonderful job. My, I think my one challenge would have been if, only they could have let Aldo maybe do the whole thing. It almost mm-hmm. feels like not not to replace Brendan's artwork at all, but to do the all of the artwork for the box set version because it almost feels like they asked him to create the front cover and then said, "Okay, we'll take it from here." So I wonder yeah. if he could have done more with different photographs of her throughout her career and incorporate more of those single artworks into it that way. Just for I some think variety. That's yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and one which the boys brought up is that it's, uh, you know, it's like they take one piece of art and then just try to stretch it across, in some cases, a six LP set. Um, whereas, for example, it would be great if each LP had a photo that referenced that era that the songs ca- are coming from. So, um, mm, exactly. Not, not to be too harsh on what Aldo's done, it, which is, which is good. Um, it, it just could, could be better. We're always striving for perfection. That's why we're Madonna fans, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I would have loved to have seen Brendan's take on a um, a box set as well. I don't know in what universe that would exist, but maybe it is as an alternate. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, this is what's exciting uh, these days uh, with Madonna is um, Brendan is like us, just a fan who who was inspired by Madonna and put it out there. And one day he got that DM in his main his mailbox on Instagram saying, hi, it's Madonna, which feels unreal. <laughs> Can you imagine ever getting that one day? Oh, I'd fall down, dear. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, that wouldn't be very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, not productive at all. She thinks she'd been ghosted or something. <laughs> so, Bradley, um, who, uh, if if anybody wants to look at your work and see what you've done and get excited and give you feedback as well, where can we find you? Uh, everything I've done is on behance.net slash Brad Kiwi, or you can go to www.brad.kiwi. Very short URL. Very easy. Mm-hmm. Or you can find me on Instagram, similar sort of username, or Twitter, same sort of thing. I'm easy to find online and happy to answer any constructive criticism as well. <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, it's been great to speak to you and get your opinion. And and I, as I said, I really love your work. I really hope you get an opportunity to, to do this uh, in a way that can be shared with everyone because I think it's really high quality and it's made with love, which I think these re-releases really need uh, to experience for us to enjoy them as much as possible. Um, and thanks for, thanks for speaking to me and, um, all the best with what you do in the future. Thank you so much. And yeah, I hope these re-releases knock us all over. I can't wait. (laughs) Indeed. Um, thank you everyone that's contributed to this episode. I'm going to be listening to finally enough love for the next goodness knows how long. I absolutely love it. Um, and after that, we all need to slow down and catch our breath. So we will be discussing this used to be my playground in the following episode. Thank you for your time. Just take care. (laughs) 